I've been gone for nine days. Tomorrow will be the tenth day. I head home tomorrow morning, and um, it's Christmas season, right? Things are active. Things are busy. Uh, Our youngest daughter felt that uh, we hadn't taken the whole Christmas decoration very seriously, and so uh, she decided to start decorating our home while we were gone. And so my wife had been in Kelowna because she was there looking uh, for a house for us to buy, and I was on the road traveling, and our youngest daughter was at home decorating. And so she'd send us pictures every so often and say, I did this, Dad, and I did that, and see what I've got now. And and so uh, I said, hey, keep up the good work, honey. This is great. But, you know, Christmas is one of those times of the year when there's mental images, I believe, that can come to mind for all of us. And uh, those mental images can be as varied as the number of people that we have here this morning with us. Now, for some of us, the mental image of Christmas just brings up great pictures. We, we say Christmas, and all of a sudden comes up this perhaps flood of memories of, of wonderful times with family and, and gatherings together where, because our family are all followers of Jesus Christ, we, we can gather and celebrate the real understanding of what Christmas is all about, acknowledging the goodness of God, acknowledging the birth of His Son, acknowledging our salvation because of what He did ultimately on the cross. And it's good. And if you're in that category this morning, understand that you're probably in somewhat of a minority, but rejoice in that category. Thank God for your mental image that you can pull up that is just so full of good things and good memories. For others, though, we say the word Christmas, and maybe our Christmas has always sort of been a bit of a gong show. It's been a problem. It's been a struggle. Maybe we have mixed family. Maybe we have those who are followers of Christ and those who aren't. And, and so the celebration, as much as we want it to be all about Jesus, it just has a, a different flavor, a different feel, a different sense. And, and maybe it's not always full of joy. And maybe there's those times when that family member comes home and we're just on a bit of pins and needles and tension. And it could be that we have images that are memorable for all the wrong reasons. Perhaps we have estranged family members, estranged parents, estranged children who don't even come home. They don't want to be with us. Perhaps it's just that no matter how hard we try, we just can't seem to get Christmas right, at least in the Christmas card picture sort of way. But then there's others of us that we say Christmas, and honestly, it's just flat out painful. It hurts. We look at others and we see the joy that they have and the celebration and the wholeness of their families and, and we have brokenness. And that's just our reality. And maybe this Christmas is going to be the first Christmas without a spouse or a child, a parent. Maybe it's a reminder when we say that word Christmas of all that seems to have been wrong with our lives or our families. And it brings out painful mental pictures. There are countless numbers of people who simply this month when the December or when the calendar turns to December 1st, their sole goal is simply to get through it. It's not what you would call a celebration. It's not what you'd call a family time. It's just another day I've got to get through so I can get to January and we can just leave that stuff in the rearview mirror. Maybe we don't have the perfect family or the perfect marriage or the perfect bank account. Many become depressed during this season. It's just a messy time, Christmas, to be endured, not celebrated. And lastly, there's those, I think, in the category of Christmas isn't really hurtful or it's not painful. It's not a a wholeness of celebration. It's it's just that it's not perfect. 
man, I wish I could get Christmas perfect. I wish I could get the perfect decorations and, and have the perfect people over and have the perfect family meal and have the, the perfect everything. And, and our Christmas just isn't ever really perfect. And it just seems to be always a little bit messy where things just don't quite turn out the way I had envisioned. Well, for all of us, particularly in this latter part of the categories of, of things being hurtful or painful or messy, I, I've got somewhat of good news for you because I want you to understand that Christmas has really always been messy. And maybe we've sort of set up a, a bit of a false romantic ideal about what Christmas is like when it's not really that way at all. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, where we're going to discover Mary and Joseph and, and of course, Mary's story here in Luke chapter 1. And we'll jump over and look a little bit of the Joseph story in Matthew 1. But their lives are about to get very messy. And not messy in a, in a nice sort of romantic ideal, but messy in a real honest way that it really messed up things that they had planned. And if we've attended church for any length of time at all, we know this story. But I want us to look at it from just a, a little different angle this morning. I want us to to take away maybe some understanding of it that maybe we haven't really thought too much about in recent times. And let me just read to you and remind you of this Christmas story. When Mary receives the word that, boy, her life is about to change radically. And so in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, we start and we read these words. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary, she was greatly troubled at his words. And she wondered, well, what kind of greeting this might be? But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God, and you will be with child, and you're going to give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How? How? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, Oh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Oh, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. Let me just make a few observations about this part of the Christmas message this season. The first observation is this, is that, you know, I think our plans are best submitted to God's timing and God's plans. Our plans are best submitted to God's timing and God's plans. Now, we see that in just the first couple of verses of this passage because there's plans here. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel. This is God's plan. And he goes to the town of Galilee and and to this virgin, to this young girl pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Those were Mary's plans. You see, Mary was a good Jewish girl. 
She was just a young teenage girl, and she had plans. She had dreams. She had normal, normal, normal plans and dreams. And those normal plans were, I want to get married. That's what they wanted, all of them at that point in time in history. They just wanted to get married. And Mary's plans were well on their way to fruition. She was going to get married. She was living life the way life was supposed to be lived for a good Jewish girl. She was serving God. We'll see in just a moment that God was actually extremely pleased with her. And so Mary was this good Jewish girl, and Mary had plans. And the plans weren't bad at all. There was nothing wrong with Mary's plans. Because it says, a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so we know what the plans were. The plans were to to get together with this young man and to have children and to have a family and and to do what had been done for all time before that and, and to time future as well. It was good plans. There was nothing wrong with this. God wasn't upset with Mary's plans. God wasn't disappointed with the direction that Mary was going in. And we're just going to see it was just the opposite in just a moment. He was abundantly pleased with this young Jewish virgin girl. And so, before we go any further, let's just be clear that there is nothing wrong with making plans. When we're serving God and when we're about his business and we're, we've got our hearts focused on him, it's good to make plans. There's nothing wrong with plans. But the key is how, how we handle things when our plans don't quite work out the way in which we plan for them to work out. You see, when this angel came, it wasn't just idyllic, idyllic at that point in time in history either. Things were a little bit messy even during Mary's plans. What do we mean? Well, there was Roman oppression during Mary's plans. The Jewish people were oppressed at this point in time in history. There was the fact that God hadn't spoken for 400 years roughly during these plans. And then, in the midst of these somewhat messy times, God shows up to talk to an old priestly couple named Zachariah and Elizabeth whose lives were messy because they had not been able to have a child. They knew the mess of barrenness, the hurt of barrenness, the pain of childlessness. Zachariah and Elizabeth lived with that. And God showed up in the midst of that. And this relative of Mary has her life totally changed in a way that I suppose some would be happy about in that she became pregnant and her husband became silent. But Mary's not even really all that much aware of this And it's her turn now to have her plans more than just slightly altered. Her plans are about all of a sudden to get extremely messy because the angel greets her and says to her, Greetings, Mary, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary right away, I'm intrigued by this because look what it says. It says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words. I would be greatly troubled that there's an angel in my bedroom. But it says that somehow she'd gotten used to that fact because now, after the angel spoke to her, it says very clearly that Mary was troubled at these words. Well, what are these words? These words very simply are greetings, you who are highly favored. Now, remember, this is a young teenage girl. This is amazing to hear an angel appear and then say, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And it says Mary is troubled at these words. Her life is about to get very messy. So the first observation is that our plans are best submitted to God's timing and God's plans. And that's not always easy to do, if we're honest. But let's also understand that when God's at work 
in our lives, sometimes it just gets messy. That's true. Now, you need to hear that again. When God's at work in our lives, it sometimes just gets messy. You see, God being at work in our lives doesn't mean everything gets all smooth and better. Because sometimes when God's actually at work in our lives, things are going to get messy. That's what happened to Mary. Mary's plans and God's plans were not identical to start with here. God steps in, the angel appears, says, Greetings, you who are highly favored, and Mary is troubled. Now, it's interesting. Remember, Mary had plans. She was going to get married. She had this plan that was all good and there was nothing wrong with it. And and theoretically and idealistically, I think most of us as Christians would like to say that uh, we want God's will to be our will for our lives. But I think if we're really, really, really honest this morning, it might be more truthful to say we would like our plans to be God's plans for our lives. And there's a big difference. It's one thing to say, I want God's plans to be my plans for my life. But honestly, so often, the truth is is that I want my plans to be God's plans for my life. And there is a difference here. It's like saying that I want God's will to be already what I'm doing. And so I've got a plan, and I know where I'm going, and I just want God to sort of rubber stamp that and say, oh yeah, good plan, keep it up. I hadn't thought about that. Actually, you're doing a good thing there. But that's not the way it works, is it? And it's interesting that when we look at this passage, we're going to see here in just a moment, that God was actually about to do things in the wrong order. Hmm. What do I mean? Well, let's read on. Mary's greatly troubled. Wonder what kind of greeting this would be. So the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will be with child. It's the wrong order. Things are about to get really, really messy. And it's because God's messing up the order. Mary was engaged, betrothed. In Jewish times, at this point in time in history, that was as solid legally as marriage itself. In other words, to break into a betrothal, you had to divorce, legally speaking. So Mary's in this covenant relationship with Joseph, but they're not married in the sense that they could have any relations with each other. So in the midst of this engagement period, God says, you're going to become pregnant. Now, there's no doubt that Mary planned to have children. Every Jewish girl at that point in time in history planned to have children. That was their dream. That was their plan. That was the the way in which things were going to work. But there was an order to it. Mary planned to have the children in the right order. Get married, have children. That was the right order. God's plans were different. You know, and I, I thought about that. And looked over the passage again and again. He says, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. And I thought, why? Why were God's plans different than Mary's plans? Why was God about to do something out of order? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why God decided that while she was in that betrothal period, the engagement period, that she was going to become pregnant, which was out of order of the way in which things were supposed to be done, in order to have his son. Another indication of how wrong the order was is given to us back in Matthew chapter 1. Because in Matthew chapter 1, things had gotten real messy here for for Mary and for Joseph, and so they had this betrothal. There was this this legal arrangement where they were going to get married, but in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph knows it's the wrong order. 
Because Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. That's the betrothal. That's the engagement. But before they came together, in other words, before they were married and had relations with each other, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. In other words, Joseph was living properly as well. Mary was a good Jewish girl who was living properly. God was highly, he said, you are highly favored. He was pleased with her. Joseph was also a righteous man because it says right here there. In verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Now listen, it's because he was a righteous man, because he was a right living guy, because he was going to do things in the right order as well. It says there that he did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. And so he had in mind to divorce her quietly, to dismiss her. Things are out of order. Mary's expecting. I know I had nothing to do with that, and so I'm just going to quietly divorce her. Obviously a good guy, a a righteous man, a loving man probably in many ways, and he just wanted to quietly say, no, this is not right, this is not good, this is all messed up, and so I'm going to quietly divorce Mary. Joseph knew that it wasn't the right order. We carry on reading about Joseph. Verse 20, Matthew chapter 1. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, the same message that Mary had received from the angel Gabriel, because he will save his people from their sins. Hmm. Matthew says that Joseph was a righteous man, that Joseph is living right in the eyes of God, that he knew this wasn't the right order for things to happen, and he knew that he had been not part of the process, so he's about to quietly divorce her because Mary hadn't waited for the right order. So Mary's life gets messy. Joseph's life gets messy. But God's at the very center of all of this. And so what happens? Well, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, we get the announcement that, well, she's going to give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. And all of this, coming back, remember what the first observation was? Submit our plans to God's plans. Look what it says in verse 22. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. In other words, all of this took place to fulfill the plans that God had. These were God's plans. And when life got messy, Mary and Joseph had to walk through this messy time trying to figure out, well, in the midst of this mess, how are we supposed to respond to this? This is messy. This isn't right. This is the wrong order. Uh, Nobody does this. This has never, ever happened before, and it was never going to happen again. How do you deal with that? It says, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. When Joseph's life gets messed up, how does he respond? Notice that when it got real messy for Joseph, Joseph still acted righteously. In other words, he did what God wanted him to do. So in the midst of the mess, Joseph didn't say, well, that's it, I'm done. 
Joseph said, okay, God, I don't get all this. I'm not sure I understand all this, but I'm going to do things your way. And it says he took Mary home to be his wife. You see, when life gets messy, the response that we need to have is that we keep on doing the thing that is right. Joseph obeyed God. He had no union with her until they were married. Joseph did the right thing. Mary asks the right question in the midst of what was now to become a very messy situation. We go back to our passage in Luke chapter 1. And so the angel gives her the greetings. Mary's troubled by this. He says, don't be afraid, Mary. You're going to be with child. Uh, you're going to have this, this son. You want you to give him the name Jesus. He's going to be great. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And Mary's this young girl hearing all this stuff for the first time. She got no letter ahead of time telling her, oh, and by the way, uh, on this particular date, you're going to get a visit from the angel. And here's what he's going to say to you. And just wait, it'll all be confirmed. No, this is the first time she's hearing it. So in the midst of this messy moment of her life, She looks at the angel, and she just says, how? How could this happen? Because Mary's looking at her life and saying, you see, I've been doing the right thing. I've saved myself. This can't transpire. She says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? You see, I haven't done anything with Joseph. I'm doing living life the right way. I'm following God. I'm doing what should be done. And so today, this season, this Christmas, it could be that life is messy for you. Here's my advice. Follow the model of Mary and Joseph and just keep on doing the right thing. Keep on turning back to God and saying, okay, God, not my plans, not my way, not what I envisioned, not what I saw, not what I'd put forth, not what I dreamed of but God I'm going to turn to you you see in the midst of this question Mary gets an answer and this is the third observation the third observation is that the key in the midst of the mess is to focus on the God of the impossible the key in the midst of the mess is to focus on the God of the impossible because Mary asks a very logical understandable question how will this be since I am a virgin I imagine Gabriel looking and thinking to himself, Oh, Mary, that is a great question. That is very astute of you to ask that, actually. You don't just blindly go on and say, Oh, yeah, no problem, whatever, big deal, that's okay. But Mary just simply asks a great logical question. How will this be? And I could almost imagine the angel looking at her thinking, I I knew this question was going to come. I knew that you were probably going to ask this. And I can't wait, Mary, to actually tell you the answer. You see, back up in verse 31, the angel had told her, you'll be with child and you're going to give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. And I think ever since those words were given to Mary and they were also given to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, that name Jesus has been uttered by countless numbers of people right in the midst of our mess. That when our hearts are broken, we say, Jesus. When we don't know where to turn, what to say, how to respond, we whisper the name, Jesus. We cry out, 
to the only one who can make sense of what's going on, Jesus. And in that name, Jesus, we are told that this world is not all that there is. Jesus reminds me that my mess right now isn't the end. Jesus lets me know that he's so much bigger than everything else that I've got planned because the angel is about to tell Mary something incredibly true about the size of her God and our God. And when life takes that wrong turn and things are in the wrong order, we cry out to the only one and we whisper, Jesus. How did the angel know what to say at this point in time? Because the angel... When Mary asked the question, answered, and he said, Oh, Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he tags in Elizabeth here. He says, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For Mary, you see, I just came from heaven. I came from the perfection I came from absolute sovereign rule of God. I've seen him move, Mary. Mary, there was this couple named Abraham and Joseph who, it was impossible. They were past the age of childbirth, and yet God had made a promise. And you see, God's the kind of God that when he says something, it happens. And even those human beings who couldn't conceive that this could possibly take place, see, Mary, I know because I watched Abraham and Sarah. And when the earth got so bad and there was a, a, a destruction that was about to happen and there was this guy named Noah who was the righteous man on the earth, well, God moved in such a way as to powerfully both destroy and redeem. And when the nation needed a, a ruler, a king, there were was, there was so many who were so good and so big and so large, but God took this little guy named David who had a heart of a lion and he raised them up to, to rescue a nation and to spiritually lead them again. You see... We're serving, Mary, the God of the impossible. And Mary, your question, this is the way in which I want you to answer it. Nothing is impossible with God. Oh, how the angel must have rejoiced to be able to look at this young Jewish virgin girl whose life is now all messed up and assure her with the truth, Mary, In the midst of your mess, nothing is impossible with God. Wow. When I read that, I was moved to go to Hebrews 11 and read the great stories of faith, both patriarchs and both those who are known and those who are unknown, and was reminded again of how incredibly great our God is. That every time there seemed to be some kind of need in our world, God stepped in. And so maybe today that's actually why you're here. Maybe this is simply the message that you needed to hear from God this morning. That you need to know nothing is impossible with God. And that doesn't necessarily always mean that life's going to get better. It could mean, by saying that, that life's going to get messier. Because the first Christmas was actually pretty messy. 
but nothing is impossible with God. But what happens then after the angel says, Mary, this is how it's going to take place. You're not not going to have any union with Joseph because, you see, the Holy Spirit's going to do this. And nothing is impossible with God. And so the, the angel stops with his message, and he looks down at this little Jewish virgin girl, and he hears these words from her. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Wow. Then the angel left. In the midst of our mess, that's the question we need to answer. Who are we going to serve? because Mary's world was just rocked and she looked at the messenger and said I'm God's servant that's who I am I am the Lord's servant can you make that statement today and just in your heart of hearts right now say you know what God I'm your servant I am your servant you do whatever you want and need to do in my life for your honor and for your glory. Because that's the right response in the midst of a mess, whether it's this Christmas or today or tomorrow, whatever, that's the right response. I'm the Lord's servant. You do with me whatever you want. The declaration of submission, I'm the Lord's servant. The declaration of intention, you do with me whatever you want, and I will walk with you. Five years ago, on Christmas Eve, we had our family all home for Christmas. And I would leave early, as I'd done for years and years and years as a pastor in a church, and go over to the church ready for the Christmas Eve service. And on that night, five years ago, on Christmas Eve, as I walked out of the house with our family all there, and we were all gathered, and it was a good thing, as I'm about to get into my car, my phone vibrates. And I take my phone out of my pocket, and I start the car up, and I look at it, and it's a text message. And the text message says this, Pastor Russ, you may not know who I am, but I know you, and I'm friends with your daughter-in-law. On Boxing Day, she's leaving your son. And that was the end of the text. My world got all messed up as I sat in the car by myself. And I thought, how? How can I go to a Christmas Eve service now? How can I celebrate the birth of Jesus with my family, my congregation, when I know that things are about to get very, very messy in our family? And I drove to the church, and I wept in my car. I whispered the name, Jesus. Help. I don't know what to do. I've never been in this situation before. I don't know what to do. And there was this sense that, trust me. Trust me. Yeah, but you see, it's all messed up. 
I don't feel like celebrating now. I don't feel like singing joy to the world. I don't feel like singing anything. I am broken at the depth of my soul because life is messed up. And that night I turned, as we sang some songs and as we worshiped and as I had to bring God's word to the people that night, I said, God, you're bigger than all of this. And I don't know what's going to happen, but my circumstances do not change the truth of who you are and what you can do. God, I believe that you are bigger than everything that's happening right now in my life. And I choose to worship you, God. And I wept during different times during that service. And I wept as I drove home again. And God in his grace has been good to us. And over those, she did leave. She kept her promise. I talked to her on Boxing Day. Hadn't said anything for the 48 hours or so. And I said, Jen, what's going on? And she told me. And so we prayed. And she left. And my son had two children at home without a wife. God in his grace has redeemed that situation. Doesn't always happen that way, does it? You and I both know that. But in the midst of the mess, it's what the response is. And I turned to my son that during those days, and I said, Noah, what has happened to you and to your family does not change the truth of who Jesus Christ is. We need to serve him. We need to worship him in the midst of this mess. And he said, Dad, it's so hard. Yep, it is. But it's the response of Mary and it's the response of every one of us who know in our heart of hearts that in the midst of the mess, he's still Lord and he's still worthy to be worshipped. And he is the God who said, nothing is impossible for me. So today, those may be the words you need to hear that nothing is impossible for our God. Whatever your life is like, whatever mess you may or may not be in, keep that in the focus. We turn to him in the midst of the mess. Turning away has no positive options to it in any way, shape, or fashion. I am, you are the Lord's servant. May it be to me as God decides. Let's pray together as we close this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we don't live in a perfect world And for some of us here this morning, I obviously have no idea about what's going on in the lives of individuals, families, moms, dads, grandparents, children. But Lord, you know every intimate detail. And so Lord, I pray that this morning that we would hear so clearly that nothing is impossible with you, but we would also hear and in our heart of hearts make that declaration of our relationship to you that I am the Lord's servant and that declaration of intention Lord, you do whatever you need to do in my life for your honor and for your glory. And I will walk with you even in the midst of the mess this Christmas season. God, thank you for coming. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being bigger than any and every situation we encounter. And thank you that we can turn to you and you know. We give you our praise. We give you the honor and the glory. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.